Hi and welcome to the Imperial Sports Business Podcast where we aim to demystify careers in the sports industry by engaging in conversations with leaders and innovators working in sports and industries adjacent to sports. So join us as we dive deep into stories, insights and experiences that make the business of sports an exhilarating and ever-evolving field. Today we have with us Michael lead analytics manager at in the direct to consumer businesses and emerging mar- markets at Nike. Welcome Michael, we're so expi- excited to speak with you today. Um, before we go ahead, um, I just want to introduce myself, one of the hosts, and then Ahmed, I'll ask you to introduce yourself as well. Um, so my name is Bruna, I am a student in the Masters of Business, business Analytics at Imperial. And Ahmed, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, as Bruno said, I'm Ahmed. Uh, me and Bruno are in the same program, actually, at Imperial. Uh, we both do are doing their master's in business analytics. And uh, great to have you here, Michael. Awesome. Cool. So uh, let's get right into it. So, Michael, can you just start off telling us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure thing. Um, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be on this platform and reaching prospective students um, that are interested in the sports business. Um, I think what you guys are doing is awesome because I wish I had something like this when I was a student to understand more experiences, get more insight, and ultimately um, you know, get the perspective of what it's actually like to work um, instead of stumbling around like I did um, in my career. Um, so a little bit about myself, uh, I was born in El Salvador, um, and my father worked in international development. So I grew up, um, in various countries all over the world, including mostly Latin America, but also including Egypt, Bolivia, Ecuador, um, and El Salvador, as mentioned, um, went to high school in the DC region, um, in Virginia, and then went to school at the university of Michigan. Um, and I selected that school for the specific program of um, industrial engineering. Um, and I also had a keen interest in economics. So um, at school, I studied both of those things, not really knowing where that would take me. But I knew that I was good with numbers um, and industrial engineering felt like a very, very versatile um, skill set to then take to the world. From there, um, I had several internships. Some of them were um, in human factors, so like ergonomics type, type of manufacturing roles. Um, and then I had a one internship at um, United Airlines, which was, um, yeah, it was basically an airport operations role, but it was very, very new and it was very, very data heavy. Um, and I had just taken a couple of linear algebra and statistical modeling classes and the problems that they were trying to solve felt very, very um, in line with use cases for multivariate regression models. And um, I was just putting two and two together because I literally was just taking that that class and I was just in the space and I was like, wait, like the answers that you guys are looking for can be modeled out fairly, fairly easily. Um, and back then it was in MATLAB. It wasn't even in R or Python, um, but I did a few models and, you know, found some interesting insights depending on different, um, different types of planes had different reasons for delays. Um, depending on specific um, operational issues that ended up driving company policy change. Um, one thing I really, really enjoyed about that experience was that, one, I just felt that it was really, really cool to be able to apply the things I learned in school in the real world, which I feel like a lot of people don't. You know, they study one thing and end up doing something completely different. But in my case, it was very cool to just bring those theoretical academic applications into something that could drive real world change. Um, and the second thing I really enjoyed, the technical aspect of um, driving insights to drive change. So I think my big takeaway from that internship was the light bulb moment, that this is something that I wanted to pursue full time. Um, one thing I was not super keen on in that internship was the way that the organization was set up, was set up in a way that the people that had the decision rights versus the people that were trying to drive um the change were just not really um, aligned politically because they had just gone through a big merger. So I felt like the environment of um, that company was not conducive to where I wanted to go, but I knew that the field of driving insights to action was something that um, 
was super, super interesting to me. So when I went back to school for my senior year, I decided to recruit um, with Ernst & Young um, EY under their data and analytics consulting practice. And I luckily got that offer. I joined the firm in Chicago for postgraduate. Once I landed there, um, it really, really just unlocked a lot of different um, you know, clients experience the situations to then apply that critical skill set. Um, and eventually that um, drove me to the door of Beaverton and Nike um, to help with um, their membership program and um, some A-B testing on some benefits. Um, and then eventually that door opened that there was an opportunity on the team um, to join full time. And, and long story short, that's how I got to, to Nike. Um, back then, it was the North America business that I was working on, um, and ever since then, there's been a lot of changes internally um, and a lot of opportunities popping up, but most recently, um, I stepped into the emerging market reason, um, and the reason for that is that it's a very, very fast-growing um, and new-ish part of the company, not as mature as the North America market. So it's given me a lot of opportunity to continue learning and growing as a professional. So long story short, that is that is kind of how I got to where I am today. Uh, very cool to hear. <clears throat> Sounds like a, a good journey from like internship getting to actually apply what you learn figure out what you like and not like about a company and then eventually choosing one that you want to be a part of right um it doesn't seem so much like you uh, were too lost it seems like you went always in one direction is that uh does that feel right to you or do you think you did have some some times when you were not sure about what to do Oh, definitely. I think I think the the streamlined version of what I just spoke about was, you know, the sweet and short version. <laughs> um, but I think along the way, and as as is the case with many young professionals, there's there's many moments of doubt. There's many moments of questioning. Um, am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing something else? Should I be going back to school for masters? Should I, you know, pursue um, a different career path? And I definitely had my share of those experiences. Um, and I feel like at my school specifically, there was a big um, push for people in my major to go into management consulting. So I think partly I also was looking at routes of just doing purely, you know, um, strategy management consulting sort of routes. Um, and those jobs are very, very competitive. But um, I ultimately wanted to rely on my technical skill set as well, knowing that that's something I can bring to the table and is also you know, very valuable in the job market um, and try to refine that. But um, I think the interesting thing is, is when I'm speaking about like the United internship, um, having an operations sort of role um, that's very, very data heavy. Like um, I was expecting to do something completely different, you know, just like being in the field, you know, talking to people, doing more like journey process mapping, um, Lean Six Sigma, I think, was like a big buzzword, you know, like continuous improvement, refining operations. Um, but that didn't really, really super excite me. Um, and I thought that's kind of where I was going, honestly, when I when I um, exited that internship. But what I really realized that I, I enjoyed was like driving like broad scale change. And, you know, it's one thing to take an operational process that's running at 92% efficiency and pushing that up to 96% efficiency and, you know, at scale, that could be worth, you know, millions of dollars, which is a big impact, et cetera. But what you're essentially doing is like, you're, you're polishing, you know, a bowling ball. You're not like really creating a new product altogether. You know, like you're taking something that's already good and you're making it X percent better. Um, and that's why I chose to kind of gravitate towards more of um, a client facing role. Cause like those tend to be more challenging problems um, and consulting, um, and they tend to be more innovative in nature because, you know, if it's something that already exists and you're just trying to make it better, it usually doesn't require outside help. But if you're trying to do something that's completely new and completely innovative, um, that usually requires some outside thinking and some outside processes um, and different types of talent too. Um, so I was super interested in, you know, like the machine learning and still am, you know, AI applications to drive um, you know, change and all that sort of thing. 
Um, but ultimately, a lot of people um, under, undermine the importance of just straight up business analytics. You know, I feel like there's a lot of buzzwords in the industry now about like, oh, you know, AI, you know, large language models, ML, all that stuff being like the shiny, sexy object. Um, but, you know, in, in with the boots on the ground in the field, I could tell you that like um, there's so, so, so much value in just straight up insights, straight up analytics. Um, and there are areas where like ML does make sense. There are areas where AI can help, but by and large, there's just a huge upside and huge potential for a career path um, in insights, working with data scientists, working with the business um, and, you know, creating, like I'm saying, like innovation, long-term change and driving that impact because um, I'm obviously biased when I say this, but I really think that, you know, this type of job is um, the, the epicenter of that change. You know, it's it's those rooms where the the, <coughs> the insights are shared, where the the decision maker can drive, you know, meaningful change and be data informed um, and moving away from like, you know, just gut feelings and intuition to be more objective and empirical is um, something that like will drive long-term lasting value um, in a company and, and is an awesome place for like continuous development and career growth. Yeah, I can absolutely relate to that. So I've also, I've been working for a few years before coming to Imperial and I've also focused uh, on analytics. And I mean, if you join smaller companies like I did after working for UI, you do see just the massive opportunities there are just by, you know, doing the basics, setting up your proper infrastructure, um, getting your reporting in place and et cetera. And, and there's such a long journey before you can even think about machine learning and these things, right? And it's uh, it's quite a lot of value that you can drive um, when you you get this this first steps right, which I think is is very exciting. Um, now um, about uh, your role at UI, like that was really your first um, job out, outside of university, right? Do you think that was the right move? for you um i mean it got you to where you are today so i can imagine the answer is yes but if you could go back in time um would you have done the same is that what kind of advice you would give to students who are now considering what to do moving forward yeah i think that's a that's a really valid question and i think my my biased answer is yes for me because it really helped me get the exposure um you know it's it's trial by fire in some ways you know being in a client setting um, wearing shoes that are way too big for you um, are a really good opportunity to grow into them. Um, but to have that, like it does require facing, you know, stretching opportunities, uncomfortable situations where you're not sure you're able to deliver. But I always find looking back on those moments where um, you are stretched a little thin and you are working longer hours, um, that that's when the growth happens. And that's when you develop, but I understand that everyone, everyone's in a different situation. Um, one thing I do say about client facing roles, especially in consulting, that it depends so, so, so much on the client. Um, I've had some really, really, really horrible experiences in client facing roles um, before in different projects that have made me like, you know, come back to the hotel after a long day of being on the client site and just want to quit my job the next day. Um, and just, you know, there's, for me, I have a huge emphasis on, on culture um, and values, I think are the two things that I look for in like places to work. And I feel like there's been some engagements I had at EY that I was not very aligned with both of those things. Um, and it made it a very, very, very hard working environment to be in because um, on one hand, like, not having that culture fit and not having the values fit makes you show up every day um, in a way that you need to be perceived, you know, to fit in, um, which is not yourself. And you know that, like, even if you're not working, if you're like in a room full of people and, you know, like everyone is so different from you and like you're trying to be someone that you're not to fit in, like, it's just exhausting. You know, it's really, really hard to not be you. <laughs> especially over time. And then on top of that, um, doing an intense workload for a client. Um, 
can be very, very draining. And I think that is kind of like a gamble that you take when you join a consulting role. And I feel like I was very, very fortunate with where I landed in the next steps that, um, that I got out of it and, and the doors that it opened for my career. But I fully acknowledge that, that that's just the luck of the draw. And that's the nature of the business that I could have very well just had two or three more clients that were just, you know, horrible culture fits and horrible value fits. And, um, you know, and that would have just really, really painted my experience differently. But I luckily had um, one client that um, kind of changed my perspective on it all. And I think, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what made it all worth it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. No, again, like even in the business school here, you hear a lot of students coming out saying that they want to join consulting. I think even hearing based on your experiences, they might have an idea that, oh, maybe it's not the role for me. But I think that, as you mentioned, that you had your light bulb moment while working at UI. Would you give the advice to students nowadays to pursue that role? Maybe they find a client that, you know, changes their complete persona on consulting or even something else. Um, yes, I think I think it's definitely um, a door worth walking through because I kind of see consulting as a master's program in of itself, you know, like, like it's grindy. Um, a lot of them are traveling. So like you're, you're gone all the time um, on the personal life side, you know, the social life evaporates because, you know, you're always gone all the time and it's really hard to like maintain friendships, build community, especially if you're like moving to a big city for the first time and don't have that like place to jump off of. Um, but a lot of people don't treat it as um as a career move. They always treat it like as a step, as a step towards something else. Like no one is that. I mean, some people are, but for me and some of my um, close friends, consulting was a step, just a stepping stone towards something next. And if that stepping stone is time boxed, you know, you're like, I'm going to do this for one year, for two years, um, and then I'm going to go find something else. And you're just embracing the fact that it is random. You know, like. Client A versus client B is just night and day in terms of experience, in terms of development opportunities, in terms of, um, you know, the work you get to do and the impact you get to drive. And, you know, I think I think that's that's the part that's tricky. I think it's like going into a casino. <laughs> um, you have, you know, a bag of money and then you're just trying to get something that's worth it out of it. But I do think that no matter the experience, good or bad, the client good or bad like you you will grow from the experience and you'll be better for it um but i also want to acknowledge that like not everybody is is cut out for that type of work and that type of travel and the commitment that it takes um i do think however it's just an, an amazing opportunity to try on five different hats at the store before you know what you want to buy especially if you're not super sure of like what industry you want to end up in or what type of um you know, do you want to be more on the engineering and infrastructure side? Do you want to be more on the applied side where you're like more business facing? Do you want to do more sort of like predictive modeling and data science, ML, et cetera? And like, you don't know that about yourself. Like, that's a really, really good proving ground to like see um, and explore those opportunities in a very like um, high impact way where like, yes, you're getting that experience, but at the same time, it's not like, you're just taking, you know, you're downloading some data and a CSV for a class and then you're running a model in R. Like you're you're talking to the people, you're gathering the the requirements in the real world. Um, it's not as clear and simple. It's not like a clearly defined problem. And um, I feel like sometimes in academia, it's just like, oh, yeah, like we need to see how many survivors in the Titanic were. And if like being a woman or being a child is a predictive factor in that. And you're like, OK, you could run the model. You could tell the P values and all that. But at the end of the day, um, the real world is not that clear and the real world is very messy. And you have to take this toolbox that you're learning in your master's class and you need to see what makes sense to apply in which situation. And I think consulting is just really, really good at building that muscle. Um, so if you're seeking a challenge and you're seeking growth um, and you're acknowledging that, you know, every client is different and there's there's good experiences and bad experiences, as there is with most things in life, um, I think consulting could be a very great um, first step out of the gate, especially if it's um, 
even even if it's just something that you want to do for a short period of time, like you don't need to sign up for the rest of your life to be traveling on the road and juggling between clients. Like that's definitely a viable career option. Um, but um, I find a lot of the times that a lot of the value of consulting is the experience you get in those roles and how it sets you up for something, a better opportunity in the future. Yeah, no, that sounds great because yeah, again, like we have to sometimes just embrace whatever challenges that are thrown into us and I guess just take it a step at a time. But what, what was it like when, I mean, what drew you to the role that you have now with Nike? Like you mentioned that you just saw it one day and then what was, what, what was the process? I guess that's what I want to ask. Sure. Um, as I said, and I mentioned this before, I think like one of the things that really motivates me and excites me in my job today is um, the white space. Um, and what I mean by white space is just like the, the whole upside that no one's talking about, the whole you know way to turn this whole thing on its head and do something completely different and innovate and drive like change at scale. And I think ultimately, like as an insights person, as an analytics person, like having the opportunity to do that um, in the consulting setting was um, something that really, really drew me um, towards the um, emerging and new and, you know, on the, on the edge in terms of um, different, you know, challenges and opportunities. And I feel like my first sort of role at Nike, I did happen to be in that role where like um, we're working on a membership program um, and having the um, ability to stand something up, you know, from pretty much the ground um, and work across all the different functions and figuring out the operating model and figuring out what the strategy should be. Um, and, you know, driving that impact and change was something that like was just very deeply fulfilling for me personally. Um, but as that, that area of the business became a very big focus, um, they started building up entire teams and, um, you know, whole organizations around this type of work. And I found myself while I stayed in that role that other people joining the team and other people, you know, um, expanding in the organization that like the pieces of work that I got to do before slowly got taken away from my hands. Um, and it got distributed where like before I was one person doing all these different things. Now there's 10 people doing all these different things. So like my value that I'm adding um, is yes, I'm going deeper. Yes, I'm more specific and more um, tailored, but then my size of the pie just got like one tenth what it was before. And I found myself that I kind of hit um, a plateau in the growth where I was like good at what I was doing. I was comfortable. I knew everyone that was relevant. Um, you know, I think the function of success is also visibility, like who knows you, um, what rooms you're in. Um, and I feel like I kind of maximized that, that opportunity. And I found myself starting to be really bored at work um, and a little bit unsatisfied. Um, so I was just kind of seeking that next opportunity that was unstructured, that was something brand, brand new, um, that was something that um, had a lot of upside that, that needed just new thinking, you know, some outside perspective. And um, an opportunity arose in emerging markets to lead um, the stores um, in omni-channel analytics, um, which is, you know, um, the whole um, ecosystem experience for um, the direct-to-consumer business. So, you know, um, all the digital platforms such as the apps um, and the, you know, value stores, which is the outlets, as well as like the high-rise inline stores. Um, and just, you know, find trends, analyze, drive change in that specific space um, was something just, and it's quickly growing and it's rapidly changing, was just a ripe opportunity for me to jump back into that role of just, you know, um, taking big strategic initiatives and turning them into structured problems and driving roadmaps and change and that sort of thing. So that's kind of the motivation of what drew me to the emerging markets. And now that I'm here today, I, I can see myself staying here for a while because I think that ceiling of growth and the upside is still very, very relevant. Um, and 
yeah, I think I think there's a ton more for me to uh, absorb in this type of environment versus a more mature market like North America. Nice, super interesting, Michael. Um, now you mentioned through your story how it seems like you are more interested in roles that are more diverse, right? And 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 ask from you a little bit more creativity and and like capacity to create is that does that sound right yeah absolutely i think um this is kind of the spaces i gravitate towards and the spaces i feel like i excel at um are more like strategic problems that right. don't have a clear answer that you know it's not just um it's not just something that's been clearly defined or done before it's it's usually things that don't have any precedent um, and it's just net new space. And I don't know, I just personally, and this, and this is down to each individual, but I, f I find that very, very satisfying and very exciting to be like being able to drive change at that scale. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, but now I'm curious, um, considering this, um, did you ever think about, you know, joining a, a startup or even starting your own business? Oh, yes. Um, I should have mentioned that too. So the there's a, an area, and I think all of us experienced this um, in 2020. Um, there happened to be a little virus that went around and got a lot of people sick, and it kind of shut everything down for a while. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> um, I forgot. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I was I was um, at Nike at that time, um, but I think. And this is more of a personal note than it is a professional note, but um, I feel like sometimes m some of my coping mechanisms of like stress and, you know, um, dealing with ambiguity is like sometimes pushing on the gas um, a little bit harder instead of like laying off of it. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. I think there's there's just some existential sort of um, drive to that piece on you know, finding meaning in the work that I do and, and impact, et cetera. Um, but during early COVID, I think um, a lot of people had to pause and reflect on like what they're doing with their life. And, um, you know, all that time in isolation was was a great time to just pause and see like, how did I get here? Um, I was working with some, um, I was not working with, I was hanging out with some friends from college um, in Los Angeles. And um, we had a really good idea of um, continuing um, working towards doing um, data analytics as a service. Um, and we decided to start our own firm um, called Proxima Analytics. Um, and basically, the premise is exactly the same. It's basically EY um, at a very, very small scale, working on very small engagements on the side on top of my Nike job. Um, and what drew me to that was um, I just felt like the value that I saw in the work that I did, I felt that I could do fairly easily um, for a lot more people. Um, and my friend that I started this company with um, happened to know a few different people that could use these services off the bat. So from a business development perspective, um, that seemed very straightforward. We were already in, entering into warm rooms that were already looking for our type of work. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that, 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 that experience in of itself was super, super interesting and very exciting. And I think I learned more about myself personally in the process than I grew professionally. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that was another step along the way. I, I ended up running with this company um, from 2020 through 2021. Um, so I, I gave it a solid year. Um, and in that, there was, you know, the same as consulting, um, various different clients in various different areas. A lot of them were in the entertainment space, in the entertainment tech space in Los Angeles. So um, a couple of startups, um, one of them was um, kind of like um, um, a user engagement app for like music insights. Um, and they were looking for, you know, more of like tech and infrastructure guidance than they were for like actual insights themselves. But basically they had this platform um, that 
wanted to um, connect people with the artists themselves um, through music. Um, so it was like a really great place for like creators. So like imagine that, you know, you played um, <laughs> the bass guitar on, um, you know, Bruno Mars Uptown Funk, you know, do, 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 do. like you'd <laughs> want that recognition and you want to like connect with other people that you know so so think of it kind of like a linkedin um for like behind the scenes creators to like work together using a platform that kind of like combined imbd with like shazam um to like and, and a creator platform to create that community so we were brought on on that engagement to like really help put the data and the infrastructure of like how do we get the right credits the right attribution um using web scraping, using, you know, and offshoring a lot of the work to, you know, um, reasonable costs, um, you know, outsourcing places. So, so it was more of like um, an infrastructure type of engagement. Um, we had another one that was like a game developer. Um, and that was like in the app store, you know, they have like all these different um, like games that you could like pay $1 for the coins, like, you know, like Clash of Clans, that that sort of vibe. It's just free to play, but you know, there's monetization on the back end. That once you're playing it, you could, you know, unlock extra tokens or whatever. Um, and they were looking for A/B testing strategy to figure out what is the optimal price point to drive maximized revenue. Um, and then there was one other engagement that we had, um, and it was this company called One Iota, um, and they basically are a company that helps source people to go to like game shows. So it's very niche, but like, if you think of like Jimmy Kimmel or like the late show um, and like, there's obviously people in the live studio audience, they basically do the operations outsourcing and maintenance of all that. Um, and they're trying to figure out how do they um, maximize their pool of potential people um, and drive insights and analytics to, you know, um, drive more value and, and improve their profitability. So I know that was like a, a lot, but um, all of these engagements definitely opened my eyes to different parts of, you know, analytics, you know, like as I do a lot of my stuff right now is in sports, is in direct to consumer, it's e-commerce. It's really cool to see how insights can drive, um, you know, a lot of value in the entertainment space, you know, with music, with, with TV shows, with games, et cetera. Um, and I think that was just a really good experience one as a founder to like, um, be on that front edge, um, work with people, um, be that innovator. And then at the same time, um, still be able to hold a steady paycheck with Nike. Um, and it does sound like a lot that I did. And frankly, it was a lot. Um, and looking back on it, I think I was out of my mind, but, um, the reason I stopped in 2021 is I started coming down with some very serious health issues um, because I was working around the clock, um, having a full-time job and working at a startup. Um, and I think that helped me like recalibrate and reevaluate my personal values of like the things I want to take care of in my life and what's important to me, health being one of them um, and kind of fundamentally transforming my relationship to work. Um, if that makes sense. So I think after that moment, I was just like, hmm, like maybe my relationship to work is not the healthiest. And I feel like ever since then, I've, I've kind of approached work with a different philosophy. How do no, that's great. I'm pleased you had that experience. And then even for the people, the students here, like we have so many people meeting us and there have also their ideas on for startups. So I think this would give them an initiative to maybe push forward in their careers as well. Like even with the games and the markets you said were so niche with game developers and just game shows and just even combining IMDB and Shazam, it's, it's, it just seems so cool and just working on analytics there. But I want to just shift a bit away from analytics as well. And just from insights again, completely, I guess, as well. I wanted to ask that what were the soft skills that I guess that are most important for people going into, well, any sort of business, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think this one's really, um, it's, it's, it's tricky because I feel like there's no 
there's no way to really practice this in academia. And I feel like internships kind of give you a little bit of this exposure, but I think um, soft skills just generally in any job outside of analytics, I think go a lot further than people want to admit. You know, when you look at leaders, when you look at um, speakers, when you look at people presenting, I think um, people gravitate towards people with charisma, with people that they, they feel like they can trust. Um, that are eloquent, that that can speak, you know, complex topics in very simple terms. And there's a reason that like, you know, you could be the smartest PhD person in the whole world and you could be like the best person at like um, developing models. Um, and I feel like if you don't have soft skills, like your success in an applied sense is gonna be very limited um, because so much requires collaboration. It requires deep understanding of um, specific problems that you're trying to address. And as a professional in the insights world, it's really, really hard to fully grasp what the problem is at hand. Like, sure, you might understand it at the high level. We need to have better insights about, you know, X, Y, Z. But if you click down on it, there's actually three main problems that, you know, are right under your nose, but those are not self-evident. And those require a lot of relationship building to really get to the core of them. Um, so I, th I think num first and foremost is like having the ability to build and develop relationships with the key important people is really, really key soft skill for success because it helps just clarify so much about the work you should be prioritizing and why you should be prioritizing it. I think secondly, um, being able to communicate succinctly um, exactly what the recommendations are and kind of thinking outside of the box because it's just like hey i need you to look into why our sales are down in x category um there's many many ways to answer that question and in some ways it's very high level and it's not super helpful and in another way it's like you're drowning in data and you're boiling the ocean and that's also just overwhelming and it's just like finding one or two kernels of like you know interesting insight that you could bubble up synthesize and really drive actionable change and i think um, I think that's also really valuable soft skills, like how to communicate back and how to explain, you know, complex, you know, either statistical topics, um, data insights in a way that, that is tied directly back to the strategy, to the problem at hand, um, in a way that it makes it super easy and digestible for the person receiving it on the other end to like, oh, duh, yes, yes, thank you. This is exactly what we're looking for and running with it. And I think part of that, um, is very much like speaking their language and wearing their hat and adopting their perspective, which I think goes back to developing that relationship. Um, but the other part is also um, knowing how your data and your insights can um, drive that, um, that actual change. Because it's like if you find something that's super, super insightful and can be really impactful, but if you put it into the wrong room with the wrong people, like, they're like, that's awesome, but, like, we actually can't do anything about this. Or at the wrong time, you know, if, like, oh, great, yeah, we actually just finished, finalized our budget for this year. Last week, it would have been great to have this insight before. Um, so I think it's also um, navigating the right rooms with the right people at the right time um, to maximize that impact. Um, and then I also think um, on the soft skill side, um, really... I'm trying to, I'm struggling to put this into words, but um, I think there's something to be said about like cross collaboration um, that like is not so much relationship building, but like leaning on the right people to do the right things to leverage exactly what you need from them is also, um, is also super crucial. So in one word, I think it's like influence. Um, so let's say that, for instance, you're a business analyst and you really want to operationalize, you know, some insights that are recurring and are very important, but there's no foundational data set to do so. I think it's like really important to be able to influence, you know, engineering, um, the right tech capabilities, you know, the right, um, the right backend infrastructure. Um, that could drive that change. And I think sometimes <clears throat> that is overlooked and, and no one else is going to vouch for that on the business side, especially because they don't, they don't fully understand that. Um, 
And yeah, I think, I think being able to influence, being able to storytell, clear communication, um, and then relationship building while, while being able to synthesize a lot of, you know, noise in the data. I think if like, those are the areas of soft skills that you can get practice with, um, that's, that sets you up very nicely for, um, for, for success in the business analytics world. One thing I will say though, on the soft skill side is, um, I know that soft skills are sometimes hard to develop and some people frankly don't even need them. Um, there are certain paths that you can take in your career. If you want to be more of like a backend data scientist or an engineer, um, that you just, you know, need some requirements and you need some critical thinking to like, be able to understand, you know, what is the actual motivation of the problem that you're building. But if it's not nearly as like business facing, I think the soft skills are not as important. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just different. There are certain roles that rely way more on the soft skills than they do on the hard skills. And I feel like the closer you are to being, you know, in the room with the business leader, um, the more soft skills you need. So I think that also depends on kind of um, where you position yourself in your career and how technical you want to be. Um, and then lastly, if you want to be a people manager um, and what that means and, and how to develop others, um, how to grow a team, how to be a thought leader. Um, so I think all those things together um, are kind of what I would say are important from a soft skills lens. But again, I think it depends ultimately on the role that you choose and how technical you want to go, because you could choose a path that is very technical, um, in which case there's not as much emphasis on, on the soft skill side. And it would be more important that you know Hadoop or you know Spark than it is that you know how to influence you know people or or convince people that you know you, you should be um, adopting a certain insight if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense because even for me personally, uh, the biggest thing that I think I struggle with now is just communicating from a business point of view of what I'm trying to say to you, and I mean it can be hard to like convey that message. So. I think that's one of the biggest things that I should want to overcome too. Is there also like something that, I mean, what would you consider as like challenges that you want to overcome now? Yeah, um, this is definitely a great question. I think for me, um, an area that I've been struggling a lot with lately is prioritization and how to say no. <laughs> and I think as someone that's very eager and someone that wants to drive a lot of change, I tend to really, really fill up my plate. Um, and that's, that's like good to a degree, but I think at some point, you know, as I mentioned before saying yes to everything, including the startup, like has consequences on my health and my wellness, et cetera. Um, so really understanding how to manage up and, you know, especially very, very senior people. Um, in my role, I support probably like five very senior leaders that, that like are kind of like mutually exclusive from each other. So like leader A has no idea what leader B is asking me. <laughs> so I, it's up to me to kind of like draw that boundary and, and drive that prioritization. Um, and I'm learning what is the most tactful way to do that. Um, especially if there's way too much work to do, not only because I need to protect myself, which I understand I need to do, but because it's also people that I work with now that uh, report to me that, it's on me to protect them as well. Um, and I feel like that almost motivates me even more to like be better at this because like, I don't want other people suffering because of something that I'm bad at, if that makes sense. Um, and I think part of that is like, you know, what is the optimal use of time right now to drive the most value, you know, amongst six competing priorities. And then within that, what is, what is realistic that we can do versus what is realistic that we can't do and being very honest with myself and with everyone else about that. Um, and I feel like that's, that's an area of growth for me, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Don't blame you. Prioritizing is very hard. And I can imagine that if you have five different stakeholders that like don't really talk to each other, that's uh, even harder than your usual people, uh, which is usually they actually talk. <laughs> so I can understand. Um, Michael, now moving a little bit more towards future, um, where do you see yourself in the next year and how about in, in five years? Like what does, what does your 
future look like in your eyes? Yeah, um, I think where I want to take my career next is definitely into a formal managerial position where um, I have a team reporting to me. I, I definitely want to be a people leader. I aspire to be a people leader right right now. Right now, I have contractors that are reporting to me, um, and that that is a form of people leadership. But it's like not something that's like very formally defined within Nike. Um, so I aspire to, to become a people manager one day. I aspire to, um, to lead a team. Um, what I, what I really want to do within that though, is, um, making sure I stay one foot in something technical and one foot in something strategic, because I feel like a lot of people are way, way smarter than me and the, you know, can build way better machine learning models can, you know, have way better visualizations have, you know, um, are way more technical than I am. And I also feel like there's a lot of people that have that pure strategy mindset. Um, but I feel like very few people can do both. And that's kind of how I want to position myself in my career is finding my secret sauce of like, what is something that you're naturally pretty damn good at that like no one else has and just continuing to chip away at that and finding opportunities to grow and develop in that skill set. Because I think in the long term, that will pay off. Um, and for me, like, I think it's having one foot in the business, one foot in the strategy, and then one foot in something technical. And I think what it has been historically has been, you know, an insights and analytics function. But I think in the future, it could be something, um, you know, either more technical, like a data science function, um, or like more techie, like if it's like, um, you know, understanding, um, you know, certain tech technical capabilities or implementations, but also tying it to something bigger. Um, I could see myself stepping into roles in both of those directions. Um, and I also want it to be something that's new and something that's innovative and something that has white space in front of it. Um, I want to stand something up. Um, I don't want to just like maintain something that that already exists. So I know that's vague, but I feel like sometimes with career aspirations, it's good to be vague and not be like, I need to be this position and this company at this time. It's better to be like, if this is what my day looks like, and these are the conversations that I'm having, and this is the value that I'm driving, then I consider that success, you know, from an intention perspective. Yeah, makes sense. I think you're right also on, on being vague potentially being more powerful like I think there's value in having direction um, but I think if you're too specific you might miss some opportunities right if you just focus on one specific path so direction is good being a little bit open to uh, different things within that direction I think is is the key sweet spot um, now um, I want to close with asking you for advice so what advice would you give to students who are currently um, at university either doing their masters or bachelors um, and who yeah are thinking about their careers and how to best um, move forward and take the next step um, if you could I know that's a broad question but maybe if you can um, try to sum that up into like um, two to three top advices that would be awesome yeah um i think having an open mind as much as possible you know if you're like i really want to be a data scientist but you end up in an analytics function or you really want to be in analytics but the only job they have is engineering i think like the first job i feel like there's a lot of pressure um on yourself and maybe even from peers depending on where you're at of like what is that first job that you go out of college is just like so, so, so important. You know, it's like the biggest decision you make ever since you like choose which university you go to. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure um, to like make the right choice and do the right thing. And I think, I think that's like that, that mentality is not very, like it doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve your growth and it doesn't serve um, kind of like, anything it's just it's just something that that can hold you back so i think like almost trying to move away from like a very crystal idea of like what you need to be doing next and what success looks like and you know focusing on what you 
know yourself to be good at based on everything you know about yourself, based on the classes you took. Oh, I really like this class. Oh, you know, I feel like this is really cool. Focusing on those things um, and knowing that whatever role that you end up in after this program um, is just a stepping stone, you know, like, and it, and it could lead you to something else and it could open new doors that you didn't even know existed and you could be doing something completely different. But I think the one thing that usually holds you back from those types of opportunities is you in your own head having a conclusion of what you should be doing without even experiencing some things first. So I think my first piece of advice is just have an open mind, you know, like what you think you should be doing right now might not be what you end up loving, might not be what you end up doing. And that's okay, you know? And I feel like sometimes it's scary to, um, to like jump into something without having a clear vision of what success looks like because you spend your whole life having grades and success means I get, you know, straight A's success means I get this internship or I go to this school, but in the real world, success is whatever you want it to be. Success is everything. And success is also nothing. So I feel like a lot of students gravitate towards like, I need to be in this job. I need to be doing this type of work. I need to work for this company. Um, But it's very, very hard to, to like guarantee yourself that that's the path you're going to take. And it also is a disservice to you because like you might be closing yourself to other opportunities. So I think having an open mind. And I think the other thing um, is the power of the network. Um, I think having, knowing other people in the space, having conversations with them, learning as much as possible about kind of what, where you see yourself and what you would like to do. Um, I think is super, super important because one, you get to know yourself better through those conversations of like, do I see myself doing what this person is doing? Like, does this seem interesting to me? But then also other people knowing you and what you're about. And and ultimately um, at the end of the day, those connections are ultimately what open up doors down the road. And it could be people in your program today that in five years are going to have a job for you lined up at a really cool opportunity, or it could be someone you meet tomorrow. But I think it's, it's, important to um, understand the value of your network um, and leverage it as much as possible. One, so that you understand better, like what you want to do and what you see yourself doing. And then two, because those things actually do make a material difference in um, the opportunities that open up for you down the road. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you guys.